Well, welcome everybody to all of our campuses, many throughout the Twin Cities today. So glad you made it to church. I also want to welcome those of you who are watching online today around the country and world. Glad you could join us as well as a part of our congregations today. Uh, and before we dive in, most of you know that we have been trying to raise $25 million to put a permanent campus on the west side of the Twin Cities. And last week we were at $12.8 million, and that was great. But today we are at 17. $4 million, and that's a great jump, yep, from one week. Still have a ways to go, but 3,500 families have joined in and, and said you can count on us, and so grateful, by the way, to those of you who have made a commitment, this two-year commitment, to put a campus out on the west side of the Twin Cities, where a lot of us will never meet someone who attends that campus, but you care about reaching people for Christ, so I'm just so grateful for those of you who get that and are supporting that. Uh, that initiative. I got a letter from a single mom this past week. I just want to read part of it to you uh, so that you can understand the sacrifice that's involved with some people. Uh, it says, Dear Pastor Bob and Jason and others, I was so touched by the one-by-one -one series and the message on November 11th put me in tears. She said, I've been attending Eagle Brook since 2010. I've had three small children since then, ages six, four, and one, been through a divorce, Lost many family members through it, moments when I wasn't sure I could put a meal on the table or make it through another day. But I did. Through my darkest moments, I never missed a weekend of church, and it was God that carried me through. There honestly is no other explanation. So if I can make this $500 donation a little uncomfortable for me financially so that it can help another person, single mom, or anyone, then I will. She says, my faith is bigger and my heart is fuller for someone to have a spot in church, just like someone provided a spot for me when I needed God the most. And then she adds these words. So I asked my family to give up their Christmas present this year, and instead I would donate $500 to our church. The same family that I grew apart from through my divorce, but I'm growing closer to in time. They all gave up a Christmas present from me, and wanted to be a part of an opportunity to make sure the spot is open for the one who needs it the most, just like I needed. Thank you so much for what you do, signed Jackie. And I was, I was so touched by her letter that we invited her uh, to our church last night. I'd never met her before, but she attends our church, and we invited her so we could thank her publicly, and I want you all to see that moment last night. Thank you so much. Yeah. And Jackie doesn't know this, but our staff was so moved by your gift and your sacrifice that we went around the office this past week and took donations from our staff. And so we wanted to provide Christmas for you and your family. And uh, so we did some shopping. Yeah. You don't need to say a word, but just thank you. And folks, this is what it's all about, I'm telling you. It's for providing seats for those who need Christ. And I'm just honored that this church, you guys can go away now. You, you don't need to stand up here any longer, but thanks, Jackie. Merry Christmas to you. God bless you. And all I want to say is that if a single mom is willing to give up her Christmas 
and presents for her family so that she could make a donation to what we're trying to do on the west side of the Twin Cities, then all of us can. Our goal is 100% participation, so if you haven't made a commitment yet, I wanna ask you to do two things. If you missed the worship service on November 11th or didn't see it online, I, I wanna ask you to go back and watch that service because that's what this church is all about, providing seats for people like Jackie who need to know Jesus. The second thing I wanna ask you to do is if you haven't made a commitment yet, I wanna urge you to pray about that. And I think all of us, if we do this together, we'll reach this goal of $25 million over the next two years. And, you know, that could happen a number of ways. We've said if, if just 5,000 of us would do $5,000 over the next two years, we'd get there. But, of course, that never works that way. You know, in Jackie's case, it was $500. In some of our cases, it might be twenty-five. But we can get there, gang, if we, if we do this together. So, enough of that. We are in a series called Anchor Deep, and in each message, we have been looking at a single verse that we can cling to whenever a storm or a hurricane sweeps into our lives. And I can assure all of you, in cases with me, that a hurricane is going to come your way, probably several of them through your lifetime, and they come unexpectedly oftentimes. And today's message is titled, Anchor Deep When I'm Weak. Anchor Deep When I'm Weak, and it's based on a verse that has gotten me personally through many, many Storms, I absolutely love this verse. It says this, God's power is made perfect in weakness. That's why I delight in weaknesses, because when I am weak, Paul says, that's when I'm actually at my strongest point. I love this verse because I am so weak in so many areas, it's a miracle I'm even standing on this stage today. Uh, several years ago, I went to Sam's Club to grab some snacks for a hunting trip, and I have many uh, stories of mishaps uh, from Sam's Club. This is just one of them, and so it might sound familiar to you, but while I stood in the checkout line, it dawned on me that my wife had the checkbook, and yes, we still write checks, and she wasn't there with me, so I had to use a credit card. The bill is only $42 that day, but whenever we're at Sam's, it's usually around $200, and so I didn't even think about using cash. I just figured I didn't have enough cash for the bill. Pulled out my visa, and the lady said, well, we don't take visa. I said, well, then we're in trouble because that's all I have, and she pointed at the ATM machine. She said, well, maybe you can do it that way, and I, I'd never used an ATM. I still haven't, actually. But she said, the ATM, and you know, my wife's usually the ATM machine for me, but when I saw three agitated people standing behind me with carts piled high, I said, I'll be right back. So ran over to the ATM, read the instructions, inserted my card, and then it asked me to punch in the numbers on my credit card. Big trouble. Because I didn't have my reading glasses, and I just, for the life of me, could not make out the last four numbers on my card, and suddenly I started feeling very hot. But, true story, I looked up and I noticed the eyewear department just a little ways away. So I sprinted over to the eyewear department and uh, waited for the gum-chewing girl to finish her phone call. And finally, I couldn't wait any longer. I said, excuse me, miss. And I asked her for a pair of reading glasses and with her phone pressed to her shirt, she said, we don't have those. And went back to her conversation. So on my way back to the machine, I noticed the door lady. 
I ran over to the door lady. I stuck out my credit card and I said, can you read the last four numbers on my card? And she said, what? You know, she looked at me like, what, what are you talking about? She couldn't see very well either. So she squinted and adjusted her glasses. And she says, I think the numbers are these. Went back to the machine, punched in the numbers, but nothing happened. So I yelled back to the door lady. I said, where does the money come out? She said, down below somewhere. I was looking all over the machine where the money comes out. I yelled, nothing's coming out. She said, well, try it again. Tried it again, nothing happened. By this time, I'm telling you, I was sweating. Tried it a third time, didn't work, and I was just about ready to give up when I thought, you know, <laughs> I think I have enough cash in my wallet for $42. I'm not kidding. This whole time, I had $45 in my wallet, so I ran back to the cashier, paid my bill, pulled my hat down over my eyes, and left as fast as I could. You all should be very concerned <laughs> that I'm your lead pastor. I do stuff like this every week. I could spend all day up here telling you about my weakness. I've got physical weaknesses. I mean, it's actually a point, point of humor because about 35 people every weekend watch us online or attend one of our campuses. But whenever someone meets me in person, every time it happens, I can see it in their eyes. They're like, really? You're the guy? And, and they're shocked, I'm only 5'9". You know, my eyes are sunken back into my head, and one ear is lower than the other. Don't try to figure out which one it is. And my Adam's apple's as big as Wyoming. I mean, <laughs> look at that sucker. I mean, you think you have issues. Now, on a more serious note, maybe for some of you, it's, it's, it's tougher. Maybe there's a disability or an illness of some sort. You know, most of us have emotional weaknesses. You know, I've struggled with fear and insecurity most of my life. For others of you, it's worry or PTSD or, or depression. And I get tired easily. It's always bothered me how much sleep I require. And anything that has to do with math, physics, or directions, just forget it. I am as dumb as a brick. I've got many things I could tell you about. In 2 Corinthians 4, 7, I love this. Paul says, look, we have this treasure in jars of clay. We, we have this power, it's the Spirit of God, in clay vessels to show everyone that our power comes from God and not from ourselves. He says, we're just a bunch of clay pots and some of us are crack pots. Isn't that true? We're, we're just fragile people. We break easily. And he says, we have this treasure though, this power in bodies that wear out and break down. You know, why does God do that? Why does he put his power in weak, fragile containers? And why does Paul say, I actually delight in my weaknesses? I mean, why be delighted about weaknesses? Well, here's the reason. Because God's power shows up best in our weak. I hope you get this. 
God's power shows up best in our weaknesses. God's power is revealed best through our weaknesses and limitations. Paul says it this way, that's why I actually delight. I'm happy about my weaknesses because when I am weak, that's when I lean into God's power and God's power shows up. Now the problem many of us have is we try to do everything on our own power. And I'm the same way. But our granddaughter, 18-month-old granddaughter, has discovered stairs, and she wants to go up and down the stairs on her own without mom and dad's help. But the other day, she also discovered gravity. (laughs) And she tumbled down. And no permanent damage, but she paid a price. And I'm telling you, a lot of us are are like this. God, I want to do this on my own power And God says, well, all right. And he steps back and he watches us try to lead our business on our own power, raise our kids on our own power, overcome a loss all on our own power until we just fall and pay a price. On the other hand, if we, gang, if we would just, if we just be honest and say, God, I can't do this without your help. I can't do this on my own. God, I've just, and God says, I've just been waiting for you to ask. And like a good father, God will take our hand and give us the help we need to get down the stairs. Paul says, look, I delight. I even boast in the areas I'm weak because that's when God's power shows up best. So I just want to raise a question for all of you to think about. Where are you weakest? What's your greatest weakness? Because everybody has at least one weakness. What is, what is your weakness you d- wish you didn't have and maybe even resent? You know, for some of you, maybe you've always been just too shy and you think it's a weakness. Maybe for some, you're not pretty enough, strong enough, brave enough, or smart enough. Maybe you had lousy parents. You know, maybe it's a disability. Maybe you haven't met Mr. or Mrs. Wright and you think, if I could just get married. Really? (laughs) Have you seen some married people? (laughs) I mean, marriage is great when it's going well. It's terrible when it's not. And some people think, if I could just get married. Man, you double the trouble. When one sinner marries another sinner, you just complicate everything, have a couple sinnerlings, and it's chaos. It's tough. Maybe you think you're not talented as others. You know what Jesus said about this? There are one talent people, five talent people, 10 talent people. It means that some of us are just not gonna have the talent we want. We're never gonna be good at it because they are weaknesses, just the way it is. But, oh, this is so important. What if you knew that your greatest weakness is the very thing that God wants to use to show you his strength? What if your greatest weakness is what God wants to use to accomplish something far greater through you that would never happen if it wasn't for that weakness? Paul said, look, God's power is made perfect in weakness. That's why he says, I just welcome it. I delight in my weaknesses for when I'm weak. It's an amazing statement. That's when I'm strong. So again, where are you weak? 
What deficit do you have, limitation, inadequacy, or loss, would you say, is your greatest weakness? And could it be that's the very thing God wants to use in your life to accomplish something greater than you ever would if you didn't have that limitation? By the way, things like anger, lust, and greed are not weaknesses. Those are sins. So you, you can't say my weakness is lying because lying is a sin. You can't say my weakness is stealing or hooking up. Those are sins that need to be dealt with. They're not weaknesses. A weakness is something you have. You inherited it. A sin is something you do. So where are you weak? Paul says, I'm telling you, that's where God's power can show up. Um, I've admitted many times that I battle anxiety and insecurity, especially in the area of teaching. It's, it's a weakness that has hounded me most of my life. And I've asked God hundreds of times, please take this away. But he hasn't. And in my notes, I recently wrote this statement. I was thinking about this message and I wrote down, I live with a low-grade fever called anxiety that never goes away. Can anybody relate to that? I live with this. But here's, here's what I'm beginning to understand, that it's, it's in this weakness, I think, that God's power is able to show up. That the anxiety I feel around my teaching is actually a kind of gift that God gives me to keep me humble and reliant on him. So in 2 Corinthians 12, 7, Paul asked God to remove a thorn in his flesh. He doesn't say what it was, but I want you to see what Paul says about this problem he had. Paul says, to keep me from becoming conceited, there was given me a thorn in my flesh, notice, that tormented me. It, just, it, it, it didn't just bother him. It wasn't just an annoyance. This thorn, whatever it was, was tormenting him. So three times, he says, I pleaded with God to take it away, but God said, look, my grace is sufficient for you to get through this, to handle this. By the way, God's grace is sufficient for all of us. God's power and ability to get us through whatever problems we have is sufficient. God's grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weaknesses. So we don't know what Paul's thorn was and God could have taken away, but he didn't. Instead, God used that thorn to keep Paul from becoming conceited and self-reliant so that God's power could be revealed through his weakness. And so maybe anxiety and security is my thorn. Maybe it's what keeps me from becoming too full of myself and drives me to my knees in prayer every day and what forces me to prepare like crazy so that God can reveal his power through my weakness. So what is your thorn that you didn't ask for, but it's there? I also mentioned earlier that I tire easily. I hate to admit this, but even in college, I was in bed by 10 o'clock p.m. every night, every single night, 10 o'clock, partly because I had to get up at 5.30 to drive school bus to, you know, to make a, 
my tuition payments, but while my friends were up way past midnight every single night, I was in bed at 10 o'clock because I needed nine hours of sleep. But what that weakness forced me to do was become extremely disciplined and extremely focused. Most people, I'm telling you, are way more talented than I am. But I'm like the tortoise who just plods along and never goes off course. Well, I sometimes do, but I'm extremely focused. And people who knew me back in college are shocked. And, you know, they scratch their heads and they think, Merritt wasn't that smart. He was just average talent. Certainly nothing to look at. What happened? And part of it, I'm telling you, my weakness forced me to focus on fewer things in life that really mattered. I just didn't have the energy to, to party and, and get into trouble and, and just go off on tangent. I just didn't have it. But I'm telling you, gang, focus and hard work beats talent every time. Did you hear that? Focus and hard work beats talent and intelligence Every single time. Paul said, look, that's why I delight in my weakness. Because his weakness was a secret weapon, I think. People thought he was inadequate. They thought he was, he, that he wasn't a threat. In fact, here's what he says about himself in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. I came to you. And he's writing to the church in Corinth. And this is exactly how I feel every time I come out of the stage. I came to you in weakness and in fear. My preaching was not with wise and persuasive words, but here's the, here's the secret. It was with a demonstration of the Spirit's power because I was so weak and so unwise, I had to rely on God's Spirit and God's power. So again, what is your greatest weakness? And how might God want to use your weakness to demonstrate his power? I have a really good friend, Scott Jordan. He's my hunting partner and Scott was an alcoholic. He's been sober now for eight years, but he has a lot of loss and regret because of his past addiction. But I've seen God use Scott's biggest weakness to demonstrate God's power. He's used Scott in miraculous ways to help others out of their addiction. And over the years, Scott has said to me, Bob, how come I seem to attract all the drunks and addicts? And I said, well, Scott, because you were a drunken addict and you just kind of attract these people, but this is why God has you on planet Earth to rescue those who are still caught in addiction. God is using your greatest weakness, your greatest failure to now rescue other people. Paul says, look, that's why I delight in my weaknesses. When I'm weak, that's when God's power shows up and uses me the most. So where are you weak? And could it be that hiding beneath your greatest weakness is actually your greatest strength? Could it be that your weakness is a thorn that keeps you humble and dependent on God and is the very thing that God wants to use in your life to demonstrate not your power, but his power? Could it be that instead of resenting your weakness, you could begin to embrace it? Because you now realize that when you're at your weakest point, that's when you're strongest because you're now forced to rely on God's power and not your own. A few
few weeks ago, Jason and I were invited to a lunch and a tour at Liberty Classical Academy, which is a K through 12 school that has 300 students, 64 staff, and we were so impressed by the quality of this school and Christian foundation on which it's based. The headmaster, Rebecca Hagstrom, has just done a remarkable job at building what I think is one of the best schools in the Twin Cities. During our tour, Rebecca led us into a fifth grade classroom with about 25 students, and as soon as we entered the room, they all stood at their desks and gave us a formal greeting in unison. I quickly scanned the room, and one little girl immediately stood out because she had a facial birthmark that covered the right side of her face. She stood at her desk, and my heart was drawn to her because her weakness or imperfection was so visible. And so every day. And I wondered what kind of embarrassment or rejection she had to endure at such a young age. I wanted to tell her that she's beautiful. That she has immense value that she's been created perfectly in God's image. And I remember thinking how unfair life can be. Her name was Addie, and I learned through a blog that her mom wrote that Addie was born with what's called a port wine stain and that she's had 43 laser surgeries to try to contain its growth. Addie's stain wraps around her right eye, and and the blood vessels grow like weeds, putting pressure on her eye, which eventually could affect her eyesight. Now imagine if you're a young parent, excited to welcome your first child into the world, and what you see is a large splotch on your baby's tiny face, and you realize in that moment that life's going to be different from that point on. I stood quietly at the back of the class while Addie's teacher told us about the class, and she led the students through some recitations and grammar drills, which I would have hated, but they dutifully followed. And then the teacher said that all of the students were required to memorize a speech, and that it had been a competition, and that it was very close, but one student stood out. One student was chosen to recite her speech in front of the class, and then now today, in front of Jason and me, who actually speak professionally for a living. So can you imagine my emotion when the teacher said in first place, went to Miss Addie Dixon. Addie stood and walked to the front of her class, and I've never been so nervous about a speech in all my life but my nerves quickly turned to internal fist pumps because I have never seen such courage come out of a little 10-year-old girl. She didn't pick a gentle speech from someone like Mr. Rogers or Nancy Reagan. She chose the Declaration of War speech by Winston Churchill. And I was so inspired by her strength of spirit that when she was done, I clapped loudly and the class turned and stared at me and I didn't care. (laughs) And on our way back to her desk, I hugged her and I whispered in her ear that she was awesome. 
And in fact, Addie and her family are here today. And so would you all help me welcome Addie Dixon as she recites a shortened version of Winston Churchill's Declaration of War speech. Addie, come on out. Adelaide Dixon, and I will be giving you a part of Winston Churchill's first speech to the House of Commons, Blood, Toil, Tears, and Sweat. This speech was given on May 13th, 1940. I beg to move that this House welcomes the formation of a government representing the united and inflexible resolve of the nation to prosecute war with Germany to a victorious conclusion. On Friday evening last, I received His Majesty's commission to form a new administration. I would say to the House, as I have said to those who have joined this government, I have nothing to offer but blood, toil, tears, and sweat. We have before us an ordeal of the most grievous kind. We have before us many, many long months of struggle and suffering. You ask, what is our policy? I can say it is to wage war by sea, land, and air with all our strength and with all our might that God can give us. To wage war against a monstrous tyranny never surpassed in the dark, lamentable catalog of human crime. That is our policy. You ask, what is our aim? I can answer in one word. It is victory, victory at all costs, victory in spite of all terror, victory however long and hard the road may be. For without victory, there is no survival. Let that be realized. No survival for the British Empire, no survival for all the British Empire has stood for, and no survival for the urgent impulse of the ages that mankind will move forward towards its goal. But I take up my task with buoyancy and hope. I feel sure that our cause will not be suffered to fail among men. At this time, I feel entitled to claim the aid of all, and I say, come then, let us go forward together with our united strength. Thank you. I just gave you a part of Winston Churchill's first speech to the House of Commons. Blood, toil, tears, and sweat. never stand and clap for me, ever, <laughs> ever. So, Miss Addie, I have to use notes when I speak. And you, you memorized your speech. Um, do you have any advice? Oh, yeah. Go be a student at Liberty Classical Academy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we memorize earlier in elementary because it's a lot easier to memorize when you're a kid than when you're a lot older. Um, <laughs> but um, muscle memory has helped with a lot of mouthing the words and 
making yourself deadlines. Um, and then my parents and teachers have held me accountable for the deadlines to be memorized. So that's so, helped. So you think there's hope for me? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why did you pick a speech by Winston Churchill? Well, the truth is we had to draw straws. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the one I got. But um, he's also a really valiant speaker. And he was one of the few in the British government who wanted to go against Hitler. And a lot of them wanted to make deals with him. And he brought England to war with Hitler. So. Yeah, I mean, he was a tremendous historic figure and leader that really changed the course of our world. Yeah. He really did. And so uh, he's a favorite of mine. I have one final question for you, Addie. Uh, we're going to show the people a, a photograph of you and your little sister, Eloise. And this was a while back. I think you were at a... Farmer's a, Market. A farmer's Market? Yeah. Okay. And this flower, I think, was given to Eloise, correct? Mm -hmm. And she, she dropped it, and a few petals fell off, and she was upset by that. And you came around to comfort her. Do you remember what you said to Eloise? Yeah, well, being a four-year-old, the petals fell off. She was trying to put them back on, and of course it didn't work, but she was really sobbing, and my mom couldn't really comfort her, and then I told, I butted in and said, Ellie, look at my face, right? It shouldn't, my birthmark shouldn't be there. I'm still beautiful. It's like a scar and damage. It shouldn't be there, but I'm wonderful, right? My sister choked out a yes, and then for the rest of the day, she was fine, so... It's been great to get to know you. You're a wonderful, wonderful girl. Beautiful. Thank you. And uh, I believe that God has a tremendous plan for your life. And he's going to use you in a mighty way. And I'm just really, really proud of you. Thank you. Thanks. Yeah. As I've had the privilege of getting to know this family, I can tell you that there is a strength in this family. There is a joy that's unusual. And God has taken, I believe, a unique imperfection and used it in Addie's life specifically to show power and to reveal that God can use all of us and God is showing up in this family's life, and I, I'm just so proud of this little gal who... God is producing things in her and doing things through her. I believe that would never happen in this scale had it not been for a weakness. And so where are you weak? Could it be that your greatest limitation is an opportunity for God's power to show up? I know one little girl who would say, you know, when I'm weak, that's when I'm strongest. Because God takes over and reveals his power through me. And so I want to end today as just pray for you. You can stay seated at all your campuses and
online, just join me in prayer if you would. Father, thank you so much uh, for shining through a little 10-year-old girl. God, thank you that your power is available to all of us because the truth is every single one of us are flawed and we are imperfect and we are weak and we need you. We need your strength. We need your healing. God, we need your protection. And so as we confess these things to you and acknowledge our weaknesses, you are so faithful and good. And you give us what we need if we just ask. So God, I pray now that as we conclude our service today and as people go their various ways, Father, I pray that you will be very real inside each person here, inside the believers here. I pray that you'll comfort them, strengthen them, and lead them through a great week. Again, we need you, we love you, we thank you, Father, for your love for us. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great week, everybody. Thanks for coming out.